Welcome to the Mobility Innovators Podcast. Hello everyone. I'm so happy to welcome all listeners from around the world to the Mobility Innovators Podcast. I'm your host, Jaspal Singh. Mobility Innovator Podcast invites key innovators in the transportation and logistics sector to share their thoughts about the key changes in the sector, about their work, and what is their forecast for the future. Today, I'll be speaking with an amazing corporate innovator. She is currently Senior Director of Innovation and Technology Services with First Transit. First Transit is one of the leading transit bus operators in North America. The company operates in more than 300 locations, carrying more than 300 million passengers annually throughout the United States and 39 states, Puerto Rico and Canada. So one thing I can clearly say that she's too busy. Prior to this role, she was working with DART, Dallas Area Rapid Transit as an Assistant Vice President Innovation. I'm so happy to welcome Tina Mark-Pierre, Senior Director, Innovation and Technology Services, First Transit. Hello, Tina. Thank you so much for joining us on the show. I'm really looking forward to our conversation today. Well, thank you. It's an honor to actually be here with you and, and, and to talk about the many topics that we have in line for today. Yeah, I look forward to that. And uh, today I'll be spending time getting to know about you, about your professional journey, and your thought on the innovation and mobility sector. And to begin with, I would like you to share a little more about yourself with our listener. Also, are there any interesting facts about your career that are not on LinkedIn's? Okay, well, first and foremost, which is most important to me, I'm a wife, a mother, and a caregiver to my friends and my family. I'm a stickler for ensuring that everyone is educated on what they don't know. And I'm very passionate and eager to find opportunities to drive uh, change that will impact our communities and in, especially in this industry. Now, you know, I've worked in healthcare and transportation industries for over 25 years, which dates me a little bit, but however, the experience and the lessons I've learned along the way are the driving force behind what you see today. Um, now, you asked for something that most people don't know about me is that I worked a few years in Wiesbaden, Germany. Um, I was an assistant manager for a German-owned insurance company in my early 20s. They needed an individual that spoke English, and I needed to be paid in <laughs> Deutschmarks uh, since the conversion rate at that time was to my advantage when converting to dollars. Now, that experience began the path for me into finding opportunities to navigate into strain from strange and difficult situations, but it allowed me uh, to be more aware of my surroundings and the people that cross my path every day. Now, from my experiences, yes, I rode the Bonhoeff and I rode it to and from work each and every day. And I also had an opportunity to drive very fast on the Autobahn, but those experiences of working in another country and living my life through its culture was an important uh, opportunity that helped to inform my thinking in my early days and enhance my problem solving skills. That's great. Uh, no, it's always helped to be in a different country and some somewhere where you don't speak the language. So you are kind of a a new to a place and then there is an opportunity to learn and and i think that traveling is the best way to learn about any culture and any place so you did a great a great thing and you Absolutely. hide it from other people didn't put on linkedin so now we know that <laughs> uh, so you mentioned you started your professional journey in the healthcare sector and after that you join as a treasury supervisor with dallas uh, area rapid transit 
and during your tenure at dart you implemented some amazing project you know i i'm so surprised to see kind of work you did you did a complex fair modeling tool to evaluate the impact of changes in the fair structure and product which helped to increase the revenue of the agency generally it work other way around but you actually bring more revenue by changing the fair structure uh, you also implemented the taxi subsidy solution to expand the service so i would say it's a early model of on demand transit so you did that way back when nobody was talking about and later uh, spearheaded the fta sandbox on mobility on demand project and another interesting project you did about the go pass app on as in mobility integrator providing first and last mile uh, option i would like to learn more about the back story of these project and how do you think transit agency can build innovation culture because it's it's kind of very difficult to convince internally to implement such a forward looking projects well most of the projects you mentioned were born out of wanting to create change in the area that the agency served you know the riders were feeling as though they weren't getting the full bang for their buck with riding uh with public transportation the fares were not considered fair cash was not convenient as we were looking for exact change and it was required and it was a guessing game determining when and if their buses or train would arrive on time hmm. plus riders were looking for first and last mile opportunities as businesses and housing started to really move into the suburban areas and the funny thing is the term mobility as a service was not even used in the US during the time of these projects as we were planning and deploying now in 2010 dart had just hired a new cfo that his primary responsibility was to not only stabilize the financial affairs of the organization but also undertake the heavy burden to find solutions to move the agency from its 1990s way of thinking about transit to a more innovative and customer focused direction and as fate would have it guess what i had the direct oversight in the areas that required a massive upgrade hmm. my team was allowed to think creatively in finding technology and process solutions because remember innovation is just more than technology it was yeah. also processes that would meet the future demands of the riders now hint the term future demands as is important to begin building solutions that is flexible and dynamic enough to keep up with future opportunities now we did our research we visited other transit agencies we spoke with various third party providers regarding their solutions and how it would benefit the dfw area and really we studied what was happening all over the world to uncover options and ways of providing better services to our customer this is where dart really began to put the customer first to to answer your question i believe you asked about you know how can transit agencies build uh, innovation culture uh, to me there are four key areas is it's not all inclusive but these are some means to start with and it's really defining collaborate research and, and really take action so yeah. agency it should define what innovation means to their organization and train their people to know how to innovate but also to build a culture that is not settling for the status quo we see that too many times and that's not going to elevate an organization um into uh, the next change that is going to occur next 
I like to talk about the generating new ideas. It's only one part of innovation, but it's certainly not done in a vacuum. Agencies need a diversified team. Um, and it doesn't necessarily have to include all upper management either, because it's not just their responsibility. I see agencies needing to empower their staff because innovation should involve all corners of their organization, especially first line staff. Uh, the third piece to talk about is really in the research, you know, consider looking at other agencies and even different industries on what they are doing. Sometimes we can get ideas that are, are not specifically transit oriented um, to be able to, to work in what we do on a day-to-day -day basis. And, and then lastly, and you've heard this before, but I'm going to say it over and over again, don't be afraid to take action. I see that a lot of times that happens with agencies, you know, they need to be agile enough to take risk, but calculated risk, and ensure that they have taken the time to gather the data to support the idea uh, to make an informed decision. And basically, it's time to eliminate the feel of failure, you know, that prohibits and cripples innovation every time that is done. Yeah, that's so powerful. I mean, I mean, I really love what you said. The fear is not fair in many time and people don't understand that because as a transit agency, your focus is not serving the customer, but just to run the operation and collect the revenue. But actually it's, it's always a customer first approach, which will work. So you should always put customer first and don't afraid to take risks. And, and I love that because a lot of agencies don't take action because they feel if something goes wrong, people will come back to them. And I feel the best way is to tell upfront people that, okay, we are experimenting. So right. bear with us. We are not telling that this is the final. So if you have any suggestion, come back to us and bringing that diversity of idea. Don't, don't only have management sitting in the room and telling what to do, but in bringing ground level staff also in the room and ask them what can be done. So powerful. Thank you so much for sharing. And I can imagine like why you managed to pull out so many amazing projects in such a short time uh, during your work at DART. Uh, so you joined First Transit in January 2001. So firstly, congratulations for kind of completing more than a year now in a new job. Okay. And you were doing great work at DART. So I'm, I'm very surprised why this move and what is the backstory of that? And what does your typical day look like at First Transit? Or I would say, what does it feel like to be a corporate innovator? Well, my time at DART was phenomenal, and I'll be forever grateful for the opportunity that I was allowed to lead and bring in-house. But, you know, after 16 years, I knew it was time for me to expand my reach beyond just one transit agency. I just wanted to touch the world at this point. So what First Transit did was allow me to take my creative energies, and if you can't tell, I have a lot of it and combine it with my counterpart, Derek Frankheim, to bring in new ways of doing business, new technologies and processes into the organization. So I've also been able to consult, troubleshoot, create various frameworks and roadmaps and build partnerships with and for our clients and other providers. Now, I think you asked me a trick question. You, you asked me, what is a typical day that looks like at First Transit? You let me know, because I haven't <laughs> had a typical day as of yet. But um, I, I can tell you, it feels like for as a corporate innovator, really, there's no difference. 
it's no different than leading collaborative teams to solve problems, to find solutions. So for me, um, being able to be in a very collaborative situation where we can bring in the various ideas and put a path forward uh, to be able for them to be actionable is for me is the, the most rewarding experience of being a corporate innovator. I agree with your point. It, there is no typical day. It's every day is so unique and so different. You plan something and end of the day, you you are doing some other activity, which you never even thought about uh, at the starting of the day. So there is no typical day in the corporate innovator life. Right. <laughs> I agree with that. And, and, uh, and that's a life. It's like you are an entrepreneur with the uh, corporate boundaries. So you have to think like an entrepreneur, but you also need to take care of uh, the corporate rules and values and all, which is right. good. At the same time, it's, it's add up your burden. Now, Following up to my previous question, you mentioned about a lot of projects you did at Dart and uh, you you implemented for the earlier model of on-demand mobility. So what are your views about on-demand mobility? So many transit agencies are looking to replace fixed transit line buses uh, with on-demand network. And also they are implemented a solution in suburban and nighttime area. You were on the both side of technology. You were as a consumer from the dark side, and now you are a provider from a first transit side. What are the pros and cons of on-demand mobility and why it is not as easy as it looked? Like a lot of people think it's just bringing few buses, launching an app, and you're done. But but I can I can imagine it's more. Yeah, it is. So let's, let's start out with the positives. And some of these positives are, are really obvious. You know, it can it creates convenience for the rider. Um, we talked about the customer experience being primary, but it is a convenient factor for them. But it also creates many efficiencies with dispatching and, and dynamic routing of vehicles, and and helps with one-time performance. Um, you know, on-demand mobility allows agencies to eliminate poor performing fixed routes which can at some, in some cases, be a cost saving. So I've seen that at a, a few agencies in different areas. Um, it can also solve problems of transit deserts and areas with low density. So we see a lot of rural communities that are actually deploying the on-demand model um, to help in their area. Um, it also provides, it allows full transparency to the riders as they can see their vehicles in real time and get the notifications that they need. And there is no more guessing game for there. Uh, an, another aspect is there is a wealth of data available uh, to study riding behavior to provide better quality of service in the community and how it's perceived to be a driver that will help return ridership to transit. I yeah. think that is uh, that's still out with the jury right now. Um, it's going to take time to determine what may happen. Yeah. But, you know, you asked me about the cons and some of these are what agencies have not considered. Um, there is a myth that on-demand mobility is exactly like a TNC approach. It is yeah. not. It really isn't. And, and, and agencies need to be very careful on how they implement, um, whether they do curb to curb, or virtual stops. But the one that I would stress to look at very closely and, and to maybe avoid as much as possible is door-to-door -door service, because mm. that can be very expensive. Um, and again, it, it depends on the region 
um, in the community because no transit agency and area are going to be the same. Also, agencies will need to find a solution for those riders who do not have a smartphone or really choose not to use a smartphone. They want to yeah. pick up a phone and call a reservationist and they want to book a trip and they want to pay. And so that is where agencies are going to need to find out how to do that um, for the type of riders uh, that are in their area. Also, there is a lot of effort that's needed in helping uh, in-house staff from an operational perspective to adopt new technology. It is a change. It's a major change. And so you have to make sure that operational staff are going to be prepared and ready for this real technology change. And I, I've got two other points here. One is supplementing services with taxi and local non-dedicated providers is not that easy yeah. um, because yeah. they typically don't have the technology to support trip acceptance and they're still using paper manifests in certain areas. So there are a lot of inefficiencies that are still out there that agencies have to consider um, as they're looking at this. And then agencies also have to understand that not all technology platforms claiming to offer on-demand mobility are equal. I'm just going to oh, yeah. be honest here. You know, those algorithms used to optimize trips can be tricky and agencies need to thoroughly understand how simple changes to configuration can impact their riders. Yeah. And so with that, implementing on-demand is not easy. <laughs> um, it does require a strong program manager, a cross-functional team, a yeah. good marketing plan, because you've got to tell your customers and explain to them how this system works. And also the willingness to test every single zone from end to end to make sure that it's working appropriately and that your operation team or your providers like First Transit are there to continue to monitor solution. There's one thing from implementing, right? But you yeah. have to continue to monitor because you're gonna need to make modifications as you go. Um, it can be done, it can be done successfully, but having a good implementation plan and a partner like First Transit with the experience of deploying microtransit is very critical. Well, that's a great point. I really love your term mentioned about transit deserts. So there are a lot of these transit desert and uh, on-demand can help to connect those transit desert, but it cannot be TNC, it cannot be door-to-door. -door. So you have to draw your boundaries. You have to make a full plan how to implement it. And it's a iterative process. So it's not that once you implement on-demand mobility, you are done with it. So it's a more agile approach. It will keep changing based on the data, based on the demand. And there is a challenge to cover everybody, people who don't have smartphones. So you need to have some kind of a mechanism not to exclude them. So there is there is this term which is emerging as strongly is digital inequality. So don't treat the people uh, differently who cannot afford smartphone or who don't use smartphone or don't like to use smartphone. So you have to provide service to them. These are great points. Thank you so much, Nina, for sharing these. And I, I really agree with you. It's a long process. It's not just a bringing a player and replace it, it's it's a complete major overhaul of their operation. Absolutely. Now, I want to discuss another important point which you mentioned earlier. Uh, you started working on mobility as a service project when even that term was not popular at all and not nobody talked about that term. 
and it's a latest trend now now we seeing mobility as a service being used everywhere and a lot of players are uh, promoting it but many north american cities have adopted new payment mechanism like payment app contactless ticketing open loop payment i mean we see a lot of innovation in that sense but i still see they are trailing behind european and asian peer on many technological front including mass like i didn't see much development on mass in 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 the northern america or northern american continent you were leading that initiative at dart why do you think the city are not adopting mass platform quickly and what are the challenges you face earlier uh while implementing the mass and how one can expedite the same well uh besides grappling with a pandemic for the past two years you know still cities are still trying to define what mobility as a service will mean for their areas Yeah. Uh these cities are still trying to organize their framework for integrating multiple mobility options and they're really just trying to figure out how to develop a governance model and a regulatory framework that will work for all and coupled with seeking ways to improve the city's infrastructure because that's going to be key and important on how you're going to drive transportation uh to create these opportunities for better connections is really a heavy load for them you know is important for public transportation providers and operators to help cities understand how to build this framework the mm-hmm. biggest opportunity right now is the education of what moss is we said it 2 years ago we stopped we're saying it again everyone is coming to the table and they're all having their different definitions or what they think it may be while appropriate we can help look at it from a, a a larger lens you know including the community the ridership the most important element is the data by harnessing the data it can be our launching point to build that framework and look it's not a one size fit all solution i mentioned that before there are a lot of questions and invest an investigation that still needs to occur um what we can do is help agencies and the cities define a solution that will meet their surroundings and will work in their communities by providing you know consultation on how to communicate the plan to the city leadership especially showing how the plan is a positive influence for the people they serve that's a that's a good point you mentioned it's uh the challenge with the governance model and there is a lot of education required around mass because the definition is is can be very varied a lot of people define mass as uh, just a private operators and private player and all or some people talk about uh, providing vehicle as a service to as a mass uh, so it it has to be defined properly and there is education piece is required and i think that education piece will help actually help to expedite the implementation of the the project otherwise we will see new terms coming out and people not able to understand and uh, uh, it, it's not a real mass until unless you put the customer at the center of it uh, rather than player yeah no that's a great point now one important topic which which is close to my heart is startups so startup are playing an important role in all sector including technology and uh, there is a further acceleration in technology innovation during covid period you rightly mentioned uh, last two year were game changer in term of uh, low ridership but at the same time high uptake for technology do you think the transit agency should explore more engagement with startups and innovator uh, and the founders and 
do you have any special program to engage with startup at first transit so i'm i'm i would be very curious to know your experience both from the public transit agencies and private player side how do you see that engagement should be accelerated and what is the advantage both side can get so i'm going to put my transit hat on here and and say to the other transit agencies they should explore all options no stone should be left unturned when you're actually looking at changes um, that are happening in the industry. The challenge is knowing if the startup will prove to be a viable solution. And, and so for me, I, I would tell agency, that's why pilots are important. It's yeah. a good way to manage the risk of the innovation while still giving the startup a true trial in the marketplace. Look, if it works and it's successful, and, and I'll give you the example, um, just one example is that Dart with the Sandbox project, we simply did a, a, a little uh, on-demand pilot in a small region just to see what kind of take up we would get um, as a part of the pilot. After about six weeks, we knew that this was a game changer uh, for mm. the organization, that it could really impact the, the typical on-call services um, that was 24 hour in advance. At least you had to call um, to, to order your trip. This is actually could be done through an app. And today it is quite successful. Now, that's what I would encourage is continuation of pilots and, and working with the startups, but knowing that you have to have a means to mitigate your risk, meaning how do you back out of the program um, if it's not successful? So yeah. those are key in the planning pieces. Now, let me put my first transit hat on. What we actually do is we bring clients and our prospective clients a 360 view of all startups or any innovative idea. Um, in most cases, we've already conducted a product review you know, we've studied the market, the suppliers, the technology maps. We've looked at their partnerships, their integrations, their business models, their operations. We really have really done our due diligence to assess uh, the startup or any organization for that matter um, that we believe that can deliver what they say they have and also look at how they can scale um, and if it can match up with the future needs of our clients. And then at the end of the day, we start putting together a master services agreement with them because oh, okay. we think that's really beneficial for our clients, not only to know what is expected um, from uh, these startups or, or any other supplier of service, um, but also making sure that we have the commitments on service level agreement and also pricing um, and data, privacy, and security, you name it all, that would be important for our clients. That's a great point you mentioned about conducting pilot by transit agencies. And I think until unless you experiment and pilot, you don't know which technology will work and which uh, technology will not. And having a mitigation plan, like, uh, like I said, when you do a pilot, be open with public and people and say it's a pilot. Don't Right. give them a false impression that uh, it's a real project because then you will get a negative feedback if it didn't work and if you if it didn't work and you tell people it's a pilot we are experimenting people will appreciate i really agree what you're doing at first transit is uh, creating that kind of a conduit uh, for startups and and bringing them on board with uh, tens and hundreds of transit agencies at the same time like if you experiment with one agency it worked 
then you can take that idea and work with other agencies and all so that's a great work and i i feel uh, that's a way to go for uh, you can't innovate everything in house so you have to look outside for new ideas and and find new people who can do that one important point you mentioned in in your previous answer is the cybersecurity and the security point and i think it's one of the crucial topic in today's world it's emerging as one of the biggest challenge and there were many cyber attack happen on transit agencies around the world especially in north america i saw in canada a lot of transit agencies were under attack including uh, toronto transit uh, you are a member of the secure technology alliance the digital security industry premier association and data privacy and digital asset protection is one of the key challenge what do you think the future cyber attack look like uh, and what is your assessment of how strong and weak transit agencies are in this area because when the attack happen we get the news but we don't know what happened in the background how much data breach happen and all and and what are your recommendation uh, for transit agencies and other player who are working in uh, in this area well i'd like to start first um, on this recent survey that was conducted by an organization called parachute they do manage it um, and security, and they mentioned that 45.5% of their survey respondents claim that their organization faced between one to five successful attacks during the past year. We're talking 2021. Now we're looking at 2022 and they are actually increased. So really no one is fully immune for cyber attacks, but we can put tools and protections in place to help circumvent as much as possible. And as you mentioned, there have been several transit agencies, both what we've seen in public and not, yeah. <laughs> um, that really have been victims of the cyber attacks already. And, you know, really no one wants to tell their business, you know, that, you know, I've been under attack uh, because everyone's going to start questioning, well, what happened? And really, frankly, every industry, every business, every city, every government entity are facing this every single day. They're fighting the various attacks, sometimes not just daily basis, but every hour. And they're trying to figure ways on how to combat this. Now, from a transit agency perspective, um, you know, they need to be proactive and plan against these cyber attacks. Yeah. Really, you know, they, they may require the need to hire a third party expert to manage and monitor their systems and really conduct those security scans um, consistently. You know, if they don't have in-house staff that has the skill sets, they really need to drive and put resources there um, to be able to, you know, combat what we're seeing as these cyber attacks they're not going to go away. They're going to continue. And really, they're going to enhance. You're already seeing it already with your own phone. I mean, how yeah. many scams are we getting on our phones that are, are asking us to click on a link? And how many of our elderly are clicking on those links and really getting attacked um, in the process? So um, we are seeing it every day. It's not going to change. It's going to escalate. And it's really time to hire the experts to come in and help to mitigate and monitor what's happening. That's a great point you mentioned, that it will increase. There is no way it will reduce and agencies has to be proactive. And there are many attacks which are in private space, like a lot of agencies is not disclosed until unless it come out with some sources. Uh, in fact, uh, I was doing some research about Google Trend. 
And when DTC cyber attack happened, a lot of people were curious to learn about that. So that was like one of the key trend uh, in the Google search, uh, DTC cyber attack, because everybody was curious to learn what happened, what kind of data was breached and, and how it impacted the organization and all. And, and I think the way now vehicle and the systems are connected, it will become more and more lethal to like tomorrow, your autonomous shuttle can be can be controlled by somebody sitting somewhere and then it, it can do a lot of kind of crazy stuff. So it's, it's important for agencies to be now expert in this area. But the challenge is, should they become a cybersecurity expert or should they become <laughs> a transit player? So they need right. to have, have a help of third player. Now, I want to talk about one of your favorite topic, which I see you are quite a good advocate. I don't know how you enter into this area, but blockchain. Uh, and, and in fact, we are also exploring that area very seriously. We did a podcast on that. There was a, yesterday a report published by UITP on, on blockchain and mobility. Uh, you have been advocating for the transit agencies to start focusing on this type of payment accepted for unbanked and underbanked since 2019, long back when nobody was even thinking about uh, this topic. And I, I really like your quote, which is innovation is not always like, but it is necessary. And, and agree, you put some example, that's how innovation happened. Initially they resist, but then, then it became important part of our life. I'm curious to know your thought on the blockchain and what do you think about it potential use cases? Uh, the, the other important question, again, putting your transit uh, uh, hat on is what agency do you think may be the first adopter of blockchain in North America or outside? Well, you know, this is my favorite topic, right? Um, well, I believe blockchain is really going to be the next game changer, like the invention of the internet. You know, the internet took time for it to be standardized, trusted, I'm going to underline yeah. that, and made commercially available from a global perspective. Now, we can't live without it. We have it yeah. in our hands and we go around with it every single day. So this will be the same for blockchain, but that speed to which it will ramp up and gain more popularity will be a lot faster than the internet. And I believe it will happen through cryptocurrency, which blockchain is the technology that enables its existence. Now, I'm not sure when the masses will adapt to this form of uh, digital currency, but according to the NASDAQ article, there was an uh, article this past January, there were 27 million Americans that own some form of cryptocurrency mm -hmm. and 44.5% of them were owning Bitcoin. Oh. Now, yeah, really. And now the amazing part about this is that crypto is not just owned by investment firms or leaders like Kathy Wood, but everyone, including the unbanked, have the opportunity to own these digital currencies without having a bank account. Platforms like Cash App, I know you've seen it and studied on it, but it allows the unbanked to exchange, load, and store cash digitally. They can also purchase Bitcoin through the app. Look, I've tried it myself, you know, to make sure that I can <laughs> validate that. But yeah, you can purchase Bitcoin. You can actually do it a partial purchases yeah. and it's not the full uh, Bitcoin itself. And, and the platform also allows the unbanked to not only invest in stocks, but they can direct deposit their checks into an ATM machine that converts yeah. into a wallet that they can use as a contactless form of payment acceptance like everybody else. 
And again, blockchain can be used in other means um, for mobile service. You know, it's used to trend ridership from both the public and private operators and now allowing its use to create marketing opportunities like loyalty programs oh, yeah. and provide the ability for service planning changes. You know, uh, there is really the most recent uh, Department of Transportation they made an announcement that they're looking for research on using blockchain-based apps to incentivize more efficient uh, efficiency use of transportation. Um, it is included as a part of their 2022 Small Business Innovative Research Program. Look it up. You'll find this more interesting. Oh, that's good. But, so, you know, it, it's there. It, it's going to be adopted, but you've asked which U.S. transit agency will probably be an early adapter of blockchain. Uh, that's kind of tricky, but, <laughs> you know, for me, it will be one that is getting the support from its city yeah. and the private sector and the university. I think that's one that we can't miss. And, you know, it's hard at the moment, but I'd say pay very close attention to Miami. Um, yeah. Miami seems to be in the U.S. one of the hot spots that could be adopting it. And by the way, they have a cryptocurrency convention happening right now this week. Ah, okay. No, I, I, I know. You know, the mayor of Miami is becoming like a a, a powerhouse and uh, attracting a lot of investment in crypto and blockchain. In fact, uh, the new mayor of New York City also a big advocate of crypto he's getting his salary in crypto so maybe mta new york and miami day yes. transit could right. be the first one <laughs> absolutely they could be the first i'm sitting back watching and so that way i can ride the system and use my crypto to see how it works and operate but you know it's really was what kind of crypto that they're going to allow is it going to be bitcoin is it going to be ethereum you know um it, stay tuned we'll find out or, or maybe MTA token or maybe Miami, they transit their own token or their, their own, own token. Absolutely. You never know. You never Absolutely. know. Absolutely. No, that's, it's quite exciting. And uh, we are, we are seeing how it's evolving and, uh, and there are some interesting changes coming. We don't know what, right. but, but they are coming. So this is my last question, but a very important one. And uh, why? Because I see your journey as an inspiration for many other people. Uh, you are a big supporter and champion of diversity and inclusion, and also women in mobility. We do see diversity at the bottom, at the medium level in the company. However, number became less and less at the top of the hierarchy. So in fact, uh, globally, women constitute the majority of public transport user, even according to APTA, uh, in their 2017 report, 50% of travelers in public transport system in US are women. How do you think we can encourage more women in leadership role uh, and how this will help the transit sector overall? Because they are our customer, but the people who are making decisions don't understand their perspective. So how do you think we should have more and more women in the leadership role in transit world? Well, when women know that they can drive an organization and will receive equal opportunity as their male counterparts, they will be more open to accepting leadership roles. That really means promote them the same way as you do their male counterparts, pay them the same, give them the same stretch project to allow them to develop and grow. Um, yeah. I think that's very key and important. 
Uh, but most important, support their ideas. You know, when, when women have an idea and, and they've brought it to the forefront, it's very important to be their advocate, to kind of share it and see how it grows and deploy. And when these opportunities are given, you'll see more women that's going to soar into these leadership roles. Now, the transit sector can help um, encourage uh, and get in, uh, women to get into more leadership roles by creating more mentoring programs. There are some out there now. WTS is one, Women Transit. Um, they have uh, a leadership but we need to see more of those. And, and we need to see folks sponsoring women to be in their idea um, positions. Because a lot of times we women, we, we get the work done, we sit back and, and we enjoy the fruits of our labor, but we're not promoting ourselves. And that's where we need to really have a sponsor that yeah. will bring us to the positions that you know we could envision to be in. And then the other thing is, I think is important is to embrace the uniqueness of a woman's perspective. Um, as you mentioned, women make up a lot of what we see as the ridership. So their point of views are very impactful on how we not only engage, but we change the services and bring the technology in. And there's just this one uh, actual quote that I'd like to provide. It's from Brad Cousins. He's actually from Engage Human Capital Strategy. And that it really hits home um, the way he talks about it. He says, diversity is about embracing different temperaments, talents, and convictions. Embrace women for who they are and the unique perspectives and the gifts they offer. I thought that was great. I had to use that for today. <laughs> yeah, that's a great quote, I would say. And and it's actually covering everything, which which is important, bringing that perspective, bringing that knowledge, bringing that ideas, and, and also giving more participation. Like you rightly mentioned, when you support their idea, when you create a platform for them, when you give them challenging project, then only we will see more women come in the leadership position and all. And I, I can see you are taking that role and you are also giving mentoring to others. So I really appreciate what you are doing in the sector and definitely see you going higher in the in the in the level and the hierarchy and all and leading some organization in the future. Well now, and I like mentoring. Uh, I, I like mentoring others and I do have a few that I do mentor and I see their growth and it's exciting to me uh, to see them push forward. That's great. I can imagine that when you see your mentee growing, it's give you real satisfaction. I, I do some mentorship as well. So when, when they come back to you and share their success story, you right. feel that it's your, you feel it's part of your journey. So you feel so personal with that. Right. Hey, that's a noble work. That's a noble work. So we discuss about transit. We discuss about technology. We discuss about mobility, latest trend and all. But now it's time to discuss about you. And uh, we have this rapid fire question round. And uh, idea is that I'll ask you five questions. You need to answer them quickly. And we want to learn who Tina is and what you think about it. If you're ready, I'll start. <laughs> okay, fire away. <laughs> okay, so my first question. If you are not in the transit sector or healthcare sector, I would say, what are the profession you would have selected? I would have been a mental health or a life counselor. 
uh, that's a great profession to be in, or I would say a great role to play in the society, which you're already doing it uh, in, in a transit, also helping other people to have a safe, comfortable journey. So my second question, you travel so much around the world, which is your favorite city in the world? I have two. Vienna is one and St. John Virgin Islands, I will say will always be my favorite place. That's where my family is from. Ah, and Vienna, what is the secret behind Vienna? Oh, the architecture. I mean, you just, it, it is so beautiful. The ruins, the, the, the churches, the, the cobblestone roads, you know, the, the environment, the atmosphere, the, the, the people gathering in the centers and you know, just enjoying life itself. Um, the transportation is one, oh, but yeah. really it's it's one of my favorite cities. It, uh, no, the city has amazing transportation network uh, and been there a number of times. So I, I love that choice too, because uh, you can take train, you can take tram, you can take bus and you can reach point A to B in the same time. Absolutely. Now, now the tricky question is, which city has the best transit network in the world? Tokyo. Tokyo. That's it's it's I think Tokyo is everybody's favorite. I spoke to many people and they love that city for their network uh, and the way people move around. Uh, great to know that you are also one of the fan. Now, next question is because you work with a lot of startup and all, which is your favorite startup in the mobility sector? That's another tricky question you've given <laughs> me. So I'm gonna say any that proved to be successful. How's any which is proved to be successful. So there are plenty of them now, I would say. <laughs> right, there are plenty but of yeah, them. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's a that's a best answer I got is uh, it's not single one, but every company which is trying to make people life easier and become successful, that's a, that's a good one. Uh, my last question, and uh, I don't know if it's tricky one for you or not, but if you can change one thing in life, what would it be? I wouldn't change one single thing you know, all of my experience have made me who am I today. So I wouldn't change a thing. That's great. And uh, that show that why you are so happy and so lively in your life, because uh, everything is an experience and everything add up to what you are today. Thank you so much, Tina, for your great insight. I really love this conversation and your perspective, both from a transit operator uh, side, as well as now the corporate universe side with First Transit and all and really learned a lot from your experience. Thank you so much for your time today. And thank you for having me. I enjoyed it as well. I've always liked the idea of you know, talking business and, and getting people to understand and know me just a little bit. And I appreciate it. And I'm honored to, to be here speaking with you today. Thank you it's so my much. Pleasure. It's my pleasure. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We will be inviting some other inspiring guests in the coming week. You can subscribe to this podcast online to get the notification for the next episode. If you like this podcast, please don't forget to give us a five-star rating as it will help us to spread our message. If you have any feedback or suggestion for this podcast, please do write to us at info at the rate mobility-innovators.com. I look forward to see you next time.